Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. And it's so wonderful to be in the house of God this morning to honor that, to uh, remember all that Jesus Christ has done for us. Church, pray with me as we uh, enter into the word this morning. Lord, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Yes, we're going to keep that in front of us. Amen. Now, if you're visiting with us a number of weeks ago, uh, I gave a message where this was the heart of it. And it really wasn't a plan of mine, but afterwards I said, let's keep this in front of us. Let's keep this prayer in front of us and pray it every week through the year. And I'm already hearing great things. This morning as I walked into the church, Marie Radzikowski gave a great testimony of what's occurring in her life. And she said, because I've been, I prayed this prayer. She said, I heard it for the first couple of weeks, but she went home last week, said, I'm going to pray this, looked up the, the scripture in Acts 4, where it comes from, prayed it, and her week was full of opportunities to speak the word with great boldness and not, yeah, that's absolutely, let, let, let's uh, encourage that. And she said she wasn't preaching, but it was little opportunities where she could say something or pray something about her Lord and her Savior. And as a reminder to us all, we've uh, we made some little cards for you that you can just uh, put in your wallet or somewhere to remind you to speak the word with great boldness. Y'all received these as you walked in. I've already uh, put one in my wallet. So every time I pull out my wallet, there it is. It's right front, it's right there. If I'm standing, paying for something, Reminds me, hey, maybe I could, maybe, maybe there's an opportunity to open up something uh, with the person I'm talking with. So it's uh, a reminder for you, keep it. We want you to have that in front of you all year, and we're going to keep praying that prayer. This morning, I'm closing my, my letter to you. And again, if you're visiting with us, if it's your first time here, I started the year with what I called a an open letter to the church. I just wanted to be uh, speaking my heart and the heart of all of our pastoral staff here, uh, Pastor Julie and every other of our uh, pastors on staff, our heart to this church. So I've called it Dear Church, and today I, I wrap it up. But Dear Church, it's been, a, it's been a great number of weeks. We have discussed the church that Jesus established. Not a man, not somebody who was a mere mortal, but the God, the creator of the universe, established the church, and he established the local church. And it's a place in the world where we can uh, come together and be energized by the Holy Spirit. Uh, we can be built up and equipped to be out there in the world. We talked about how we should take none of this for granted. We should 
really honor what Christ has done for us. And we shouldn't be half in the church and half in the world. There is something important to being connected to a church community. Our wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he's the resurrected king, the sovereign, supreme ruler of the entire universe that he created, and it is a privilege to be a member of his church. And as part of his church, we receive many, many blessings. And we've discussed many of those blessings. And I've got a, just a little reminder of those blessings this morning. This came from... Uh, Bill and Phyllis Stogard. Phyllis laid her father, Felix Stopsy, to rest this past uh, Friday. He was 103 and a half years old. 103, six months and four days, if I remember correctly. And the Stogard sent us this letter on behalf of the Stopsy and Stogard families. We want to thank you and the congregation for all of their love, support, cards, flowers, food, words of support and comfort shared with our families this past week after the passing of our father, grandfather, great-grandfather, and friend, Felix Stopsy. We have been blessed by a wonderful body of support from our church, our congregation, and friends. We say thank you very much for all your love and support, the Stopsy and Stogard families, and thank you also to the entire Bethesda Christian staff for all their help and assistance. And we receive that. And I read in there great blessings of being part of a church, being part of a local body. When you have those times in your life, and you can declare, thank you. I'm blessed by a wonderful body of support. People out in the world can't claim that. They're missing something. They are. We're, we have abundant blessings here in the church, but I also talked to you about some of uh, the responsibilities that we have, and I talked about those in the last uh, number of weeks. And this morning, as I close this letter to you, church, the topic is another responsibility, yet that yields a blessing. But first, some news. I want to give you some news this morning, and it's about our, uh, our worship ministry that uh, the person in charge, uh, Heather, she's making a change, and she will no longer be leading the worship ministry. And I want to let you know, though, things are in good hands. I'm going to be taking over the worship ministry. I'll be... Seriously, you pick up on the fake news that fast? <laughs> My reputation precedes me. <laughs> I'm a tenor. That's right. That's right. And everybody remembers what a tenor is, right? I need ten around me to make me sound good. I'm a tenor or an elevener. I need that. Yes. So rest assured, yeah, that's fake news. Uh, but I want to use that as an illustration uh, a little bit later. And I also have another uh, illustration for you this morning, and it has to do with, with recipes. Uh, a recipe, if you're um, a baker or a cook of any sort and you take in recipes, a recipe is typically broken down into two main categories. The first is the ingredients, and the second is the instructions. 
So those are the two main pieces of a recipe, right? You need to know what you're going to put into whatever it is you're preparing, and then you need to know how to do it. You need the directions. You need the instructions of what you're going to do with all those ingredients. And if you don't follow the directions, if you don't follow the instructions, things might not turn out exactly right. Now, have you ever bit into a piece of cake or a cookie and you were just so looking forward to it and then suddenly all that anticipation, it kind of turns like, ugh, <laughs> what's wrong? Something's, something's messed up here. Uh, this looks like a chocolate chip cookie, but I don't think so. Uh, there's definitely a problem. Uh, and if, you've, if you're a baker and, and you've even tried some of your own baking where you've maybe not had everything perfect, you may have made that, that same face and said, ah, okay, this whole batch is going down the garbage disposal. I got to start again because something isn't right. And maybe you even recognized it. I know what's missing. And then you look over on your counter and yeah, there's the vanilla, totally forgot it. There, or there's the nutmeg or, or whatever it was that you were supposed to put in and it just wasn't in the mix. And the result, it, it wasn't as it was intended or maybe even awful. Now, usually when something like that happens, it's not the, the voluminous ingredient that is missing. It's not the four cups of flour that's missing. It's not the two cups of sugar. You, you may have left out a stick of butter, forgot to you know, blend it in, or an egg, or maybe that pinch of salt. Something uh, was missing. The, the baking powder and the cake was flat. So now what's the point? What's the point of this illustration? Every ingredient's important. Every single ingredient is important and necessary, and without it, the result's just not going to be as it should be. So, dear church, there is a biblical recipe of sorts for the local church. Now, like a recipe of baking or cooking, there's ingredients and there's instructions. What is needed and how it should all be combined together and made into something beautiful and wonderful. What are the ingredients? You are the ingredients. We are the ingredients. Each one of you is necessary. Each one of you is important for the function of the local church. You think you're too young? You think you don't have enough experience to add to the body? Well, I remind you what the Apostle Paul wrote to his friend Timothy. Timothy, don't let anyone look down upon you because you are young. Set an example for other believers. Set an example in your speech and in your conduct and in your love and in your faith and in your purity. So I don't know how young you are, but you can do that. And that can be an example to others. And it adds to the body. You're not too young. 
to have a place of ministry. You think you're too old? I remind you that Moses was 80 years old when God called him and said, you need to go to Egypt and say to that Pharaoh over there, let my people go. 80 years old. Paul wrote to Titus in the New Testament, older women, you are to teach the younger women. You're not too old to serve the Lord in some way. You think you don't have something to offer. You're, you're not a main ingredient like the flour. You're not a main ingredient like the sugar. Oh, well, I'm just a pinch of salt. Nobody's going to miss me. I'm not going to be missed. What am I going to add to this? You'll be missed. Every ingredient's necessary. You have something to offer. You have a gift. You have a talent. You have something God has given you uniquely that can be used in the body. And that's the example, that is the example that the New Testament uses. I threw out a recipe, the Apostle Paul writes about a body. And I want to share with you that from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, his first letter to this church in Corinth. Chapter 12 is devoted to the idea that we're all necessary, we're all required. And I want to share with you just an excerpt from that of verses 15 to 22. The apostle wrote, now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And that's a word I want to stop at. Indispensable. No one is indispensable. Everyone is a part. Everyone is needed. Everyone has a function. The apostle said we can't all be the eye. Sometimes we all want to be the major. We want to be the four cups of flour or the sugar. We want to be that front and center ingredient. We can't all be the eye. We can't all be an ear because we think those are the, the better parts. You know, that's why I can't lead the worship ministry. And you all laughed. You know that. You know that I'd be stepping into a place I know nothing about. I'm not talented there. 
The only instrument that I know how to tune and play correctly is a radio, and that's it. So you realize that. Sometimes in our hearts we don't. We desire an area where maybe we're not precisely gifted. I love the music. I love the instruments. I love the voices. But I'm just no good at being able to tell people what to do and how to do it. So I need to sit back and be blessed by that ministry and not think that I can take it over or run it. When I think about our, our snow crew as another example, you know, a lot of people want to drive the plow truck. Hey, I'll volunteer for the snow crew. Give me the keys to the truck. Well, not everybody is equipped to be driving the plow truck. And you know what? There is a member of our snow crew that knows precisely that. And I've actually said, hey, why don't you drive the truck? No, 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 no. I can't be driving the truck. I know where I'm gifted. And I don't want to be behind the wheel of the plow truck because I'll plow things that shouldn't be plowed and the truck will end up in the pond. So don't put me behind the wheel of a plow truck. Put me behind the snowblower. That's what this person says. Put me behind the snowblower so that I can walk behind it and clear the sidewalks. And that's a great thing. Now think about that on a snowy day, church. And you arrive and the parking lot is clear and you get out of your car and you make it to the sidewalk. Now if we didn't have the person who was just devoted to the sidewalk, you'd slip and fall on the sidewalk. If everybody was a plow truck driver, we still couldn't make it into the church. We need every gift, every talent, every person is important in God's church, even the ones who are sweeping the sidewalk. You're not too old, you're not too young. You're not ungifted. You are uniquely gifted. And if you're thinking now is not the time, yeah, I get it, I hear you. Yeah, maybe I'm not too young or I'm not too old. Yeah, I think I've got something to offer, but I'm gonna wait for the Lord to confirm it in me. I'm gonna wait till I know that I know that I know. I wanna remind you of what was said to Queen Esther by her cousin Mordecai in Esther chapter four. He said, Esther, if you remain silent and you don't do anything, deliverance will come to God's people from some other way. In other words, God's gonna use someone else. Mordecai went on and he said, who knows? But you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Let me say it a different way. There is no time like the present. Don't sit back on the sidelines. Church, get involved. God can use you. He can use you. And I've given you some examples this morning, but I want to introduce you to a living example. Someone who over six decades ago came to this understanding, came to this realization, God can use me. I'm gonna get involved. I have a place of service and ministry. 
and he stuck to it for over 60 years. So I want to invite up to our platform this morning, Brother Richard Myers. Richard has been serving here for over 60 years in a variety of capacities. But this morning, I want to talk to him about one in particular. Brother, it's good to see you this morning. Have a seat. I got a seat for you. Is that okay? Sit on down. Now, I want to interview you. This is Richard Myers. Can you hold that? Sure, I can. Are you coming through? Okay. So now, first of all, I want to say, Richard called me this past Wednesday, and you told me it was a special day for you, right? It, it, can I tell people uh, it was your birthday on Wednesday? It's okay. It's okay. I don't mind. <laughs> can, can I tell them how old you told me you were? So Brother Richard called me on Wednesday and he said, I'm 86 years old today. And, and he said, Pastor Pat, I've been, I have been serving as an usher for 62 years. Is that right? 62 years. And he said, what do you think? Is it okay if, if I would let some of the younger generation move up into ushering. And I said, brother, go 65. No. <laughs> but I'm, I was only kidding. I said, of course, of course. Uh, and I, I talked with uh, Brother Richard on the phone for a while, and I thought, you know, the things that he's saying, I think would be beneficial for everyone here this morning to hear. And I have a few questions, but before I... Before I get to my questions, I want to let you know, I got a phone call last night at home, and it was from your beautiful wife, Sylvia. Yeah, and she has something, I wrote it down, I have to say to you, because Richard told me that Sylvia was in Florida, and I said, I want to bless you, but I'll wait until, until she comes back from Florida. And she said, oh, no, you won't. She told me that the church needs to hear what you have to say. And she said, don't wait to bless you. She said, do it today. So she said, congratulations from sunny Florida. I'm proud of you. This is your day. And I'm looking forward to sitting. I'm looking forward to you sitting with me in church on Sundays. Uh, and that was from your beautiful wife. So Richard's going to be sitting with her on Sunday mornings, and she said, Pastor Pat, do it all. Do it all this morning. And uh, somehow she knew about this, and evidently, I guess she, uh, she let your family know because you got a good group here this morning. <laughs> That's okay. It's a beautiful family. 
and great support. So I want to ask you a few questions about your serving here. And first of all, how did you get involved with serving, serving as an usher? Well, after catechism, it was 1962, I believe it was a first or second uh, class of catechism by Sister Pat. And uh, back then, Brother Jim was bugging us younger guys to help out. And uh, of course, I volunteered, and uh, I've never regretted it. I love serving the Lord. I love serving the church. And it's always been an honor. So it's been fulfilling. It has been fulfilling for you. When we talked on Wednesday, uh, you told me that uh, you loved doing it. Tell me a few more reasons why and, and how it was fulfilling for you to serve. Well, it was getting to know people. Because when you're an usher or a greeter, you're the first ones that greet these people that come in. And if they're, if they're strangers, go out of your way. Speak to them. Introduce yourself. And make them feel welcome. I think that's very important. I imagine you met a lot of new friends in 62 years of ushering. I've met, I believe it was John Streber, one of the first ones. And we played golf, and the uh, rest of the guys from the church, we had fellowship playing golf and baseball, and it was wonderful. And when you do these things, you get acquainted with a lot of other people. We used to have Ace George. I don't know if many of you remember him back then. This guy was the most faithful baseball person, and he would come out, and he would witness to these people while we're playing baseball. He was amazing. So he's speaking the word with great boldness. Right, keep it up. That got yeah. us started too. Right, so you could be an example as you served others as they came in around you. You also told me just something about knowing your place. You had mentioned about not everyone can be a teacher or a preacher. Remind everyone here how you told me that. Well, I was never a teacher. I was a truck driver all my life, and uh, I couldn't preach and I couldn't teach. But I knew there was something else out there that I could do and do it willingly, lovingly, and just be an example to other people. And I loved doing it. Amen, that's great. Now, uh, do you think it made you more Christ-like? Do you think serving put, made you more Christ-like or taught you? I believe it was just the fellowship that made me more Christ-like. I had a lot of good examples uh, back there. We had uh, ushers or who were supervisors. Would, uh, we'd have meetings, and uh, through the meeting, we'd more or less have like a prayer meeting, and uh, it just made you feel welcome. And when we'd do that, we would go out and show an example to other people. So in your circle of service, you supported one another. You prayed for one another. Your ministry was not just to yourselves, it was to the whole church, but you found support because you built that camaraderie. Well, through that, 
We were examples to the younger guys who played ball with us. Kids that wanted to play, we welcomed them. And uh, a lot of them were just like strangers. And uh, once we got them going, they started attending church and their families. And it was, it was just wonderful. So what would you say to someone who might be uh, maybe they're struggling with a place to serve, or they've been questioning, should I just step out someplace, whatever, wherever that place would be? What, what kind of advice would you give to someone to motivate them to serve? Well, one thing is you're never too young, or never too old, really. My goodness, I've wanted to stop years ago thinking that I'm too old to be serving here, and uh, the more I thought about it, the more I liked it, and we'd encourage the young people. You know, the young people should just be willing and want to serve, not only as ushers, but as greeters, and uh, whatever it may be, it's, it's an honor and a blessing, and it's great for your fellowship. That's right, so you've been, you've been fulfilled, you uh, have found joy in it, you told me it was the joy of your life, and uh, you also told me, though you're stepping aside from ushering, you're not stepping aside from everything, right? I think, <laughs> I think that uh, this summer, if I'm welcome, I might cut grass yet. I've been doing that for about 20 years now, and uh, I like that too. Right. So Brother Richard still wants to be on one of our grass cutting machines. He's been an inspiration to me for many years as I would pull into the parking lot on a sunny summer afternoon. And there was Richard behind one of the, the grass cutting machines going and always a huge smile on his face. Always a smile on his face. And uh, that's the joy of serving. So yeah, you're stepping aside from ushering. 62 years, and uh, we'll keep you, if you're willing, to cut grass uh, because we've got plenty of acres for you to cut, brother. <laughs> All right. So Thank you, Pat, Pastor Pat, for this. Uh, it's an honor to be here, and uh, thank you, family. Yeah, and thank you for, for blessing our congregation. <laughs> now, before you go, I want to pray over you. I want to pray over you just to thank you and, and ask the Lord to bless you with many years of uh, ser service. You have been a faithful servant. We are uh, proud to have you here as a member and a part of this congregation and this church, and it wouldn't be the same without you and others like you who have that heart to serve. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for Brother Richard Myers and his heart to serve. God, thank you for the blessing that he has been, the uh, example that he has been to others. And I know through his uh, kind heart, through uh, his Christ-like nature, others are here because of what he has been in terms of an example. I know that. I've met those others. And God, I know truly it's because he has given himself to you and to your church. Bless him, Father. Bless him. Thank you for his ministry, and I pray that you would bless him as he sets aside the ushering, opens a door for others to be involved, and continues yet serving here. God bless this man. Your hand to be upon him. 
Lord, and may, uh, may Sundays be a great, uh, a great time of just uh, sunshine and blessing for he and Sylvia as they are able to uh, be together for an entire service. Lord, bless them. Thank you for their hearts. Thank you for their family. Thank you for the support. And continue to carry them, Lord. Continue to carry them for many years. Go before them. Go behind them. Keep your loving hands and your embrace around them. And Father God, I ask all of this in the powerful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen. Amen. Bless you, brother. What a great example. If you start today, you can begin your 60-year journey in servicing the Lord. And uh, there's fulfillment. There is joy. And it doesn't matter what the work is. It's a ministry to God and to God's people. And not everyone is the teacher or the preacher. You know, not everyone's the flower or the sugar. But everyone has a place of service. It might not be that you'd stay for 62 years in the same place of service. You might work in a whole variety of areas and meet new people and friends and expand your circle. My first uh, service experience uh, with the church was at our previous location in the dining room. It wasn't for me because I spilled a lot of things. I'm accident prone. I have two left feet. Uh, they kept me around even when into this facility, but it was when I spilled on uh, Pastor James Beal. That was it. My dining room days were done, and into the kitchen I went, which I liked. I liked being in the kitchen. I, I didn't mind washing dishes or pots and pans. It was a lot of fun. Met a lot of people. When Julie and I were married, uh, and we settled our family, and we said, we're Absolutely, this is our decision. We'll be here. Our, our heart and our attitude was we'll just serve wherever, they, wherever we're asked to serve. And we were asked to serve in several different areas in the church. And our response was just yes, because we're working for the Lord. That's what we saw. We just saw it as a ministry wherever, uh, wherever it would be that uh, the church would point us. If we could fill a need, we did. And... I just want to say your church needs you right now. It needs you. And uh, we handed this morning not only this, this little reminder card, but there's, there's also another little card that you have. And I want to just take a minute right now that we would all fill it out. It's very, very simple. Uh, your name and your phone number and an email address. If you don't have an email, that's okay. But I'd like everyone to fill it out. Uh, it, even if you know we have your contact information, we want to make sure we have it right, and that would be uh, really nice. It asks if you have any specific skills, gifts, talents, and on the back, there's a variety of opportunities, and you could just click them off. Hey, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be interested in uh, being an usher, or uh, we need some 
guitar players, or we need somebody to assist us uh, behind the scenes. We need some people in the parking lots. We're looking for some parking lot helpers to help point people in the right direction, especially if they're new here and they're visiting. We're going to be uh, painting our chapel. It's a one-time event. We had a great time a couple years ago where we painted our, our big hallway over by, by the chapel, but we need to freshen up the interior of the chapel. So there's a couple of dates marked there in the month of March coming up, and we'd love to have... We'd love to have the support, and we're all part of the church. If you, can, um, if you can move a paintbrush, let us know. So let's take the time right now, and we're going to collect these. Does anyone need a pen? If you need a pen, just raise your hand, because we're ready with them. We're ready with pens. Raise your hand if you need something to write with, and we'll, we'll, we'll just take a minute and... And then we're going to have communion. We're going to have our ushers collect those in just a minute. And if, you, if you're still taking a minute to think and fill it out, I just I want to say, as we bring our service to a close this morning and uh, move into our time of communion, let's think about the ultimate servant. No. We're not here asking people to serve because, uh, because we need servants or that somehow we're, uh, people who are leading the church are, are above other people. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about that, how our attitude isn't to be like the disciples who argued among each other about which one was the greatest, that we should all have this attitude of being a servant. And let's think this morning about the ultimate servant. His name is Jesus. Jesus sacrificed heaven. He gave up everything. He gave up the glory of heaven. He went from being God to becoming a man. He set aside everything. He set aside everything. And he became human flesh so that he could save you and he could save me from the penalty of sin. We heard it this morning in a song, I can't believe you paid the price for me. It is very hard to comprehend that. But Jesus actually declared it. That was his purpose. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus said these words, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Matthew 20, 28. Now, church, I'll remind you of the context of that. It's what I talked about a couple of weeks ago. And if you're here and missed that service, I re I'll let you know the context of Jesus' words here. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. And it was because his disciples were arguing. They were thinking too highly of themselves. They were looking for someone to serve them instead of being servants. And Jesus told them, stop it. You should have this attitude. 
The greatest among you should be the least. And that's when he said, I'm going to serve you by giving my life as a ransom for our sin. Jesus served us by giving his life. Let, let's keep that in mind this morning as we come to our communion table. I want to ask our, our ushers if you would just collect those cards and uh, move them out so that we can just focus on Jesus. We can uh, consider all that he did for us when he went to the cross. If it's something that you haven't fully come to, you haven't realize that Jesus Christ gave his life so that you could be reconciled unto God, your creator, think about it this morning. He was the final sacrifice for sin. Sin was something that caused a great gulf between God and mankind. When the first man sinned, Adam, and he caused a separation between God and man, that problem had to be dealt with. Because it offended God. It was an offense that his creation would rebel against him. But he didn't just unleash wrath. He had a plan. And the plan began right there in the garden where the first sin was committed. God said, I've got a plan. Though this, uh, though this enemy has come in and tempted and you've fallen to sin, he said to the woman, your offspring, your offspring's gonna crush that enemy. And that offspring was a reference to Jesus. God required, he required a payment for sin. And through the whole Old Testament, that payment was through works through works and sacrifices of animals. But Jesus arrived on the scene, gave up heaven to become a man, and he gave his life as that final and perfect sacrifice. Let's celebrate that today as we sit down at his table and remind ourselves of what he did to serve us. Our response pales in comparison, and we can't earn that salvation. No, we're not earning it by any works or service that we do. Our, our work and our service is in a response to what he's done for us. And we do that out of a heart of gratitude, as we heard Brother Richard talking about. It's just a joy to serve the Lord because he gave his life for us. Our elders and our deacons are going to serve us right now. And they're going to uh, pass out the bread for this communion supper. Hold it. Hold it in your hand. We'll bless it together. And if you're just visiting with us the first time, you're welcome to participate in our communion. It's not, it's not Bethesda's communion. No. This is the church. It's God's church. If you're a, a, a member through your repentance and the fact that you acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're welcome to receive communion with us this morning. We'd only ask that if you have little children, keep them from uh, something that they may not be able to understand. And let's hold this bread, bless it together. And I want to remind you, before we have the bread together, of what the Apostle Paul tells us. And 
admonishes us about this time. Paul said, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. So everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread or drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That's why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. So this morning, church, as we contemplate what Jesus Christ did for us, as we look to him as the ultimate servant and realize that he gave his life for us, look inside your own heart and examine yourself. Take these words of scripture seriously. They're not just written for, for us to uh, examine in some literary context. No, they're real, they're life. And they're meaningful. Look at your heart. Examine your heart this morning. Take a few minutes to see, Lord, am I discerning your body rightly? In other words, am I discerning what Jesus Christ did for me in living my life as a reflection of that? And if there's any area that you need to talk to the Lord about, do that. Do that before we receive this bread together. So take a minute now. Father God, thank you. Thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Truly a servant of all. You loved the world so much, you gave your only begotten son. What a gift to us. Lord, as we look inside our hearts and we examine our hearts individually, help us to truly be self-judging, to look into our own hearts, look at our own shortcomings, and ask your help and your forgiveness and repent for it and discern your body rightly and all that you've done for us. And we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your graciousness. We thank you that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we receive that cleansing. And now we hold this bread, Lord, and say thank you for it. Thank you, Father, for the broken body of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave his life for us and he sacrificed for us that we might gain eternal life. 
He asked us to do this in remembrance of him. And we do that this morning, Father, acknowledging Jesus for all that he's done, for saving our souls, for giving his life. Bless this bread unto us, Lord, as it represents his broken body. We receive it gladly, knowing he gave his life for us. And we ask your blessing on it in that powerful name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Let's eat together. These elders and deacons that you see before you who are serving you, they don't just have this upfront ministry. After our time of communion on every one of these first Sundays of the month, each one of these go out and they leave the walls of this church to serve others. We keep in contact with many who've been part of this church, but for reasons physical issues, they can't be here. They're shut in. They're not able to be here to, to join the community for the Lord's Supper. Well, we go out to them. And these elders and these deacons go out and serve people. And it's really a, another area that's behind the scenes. and Not too many people really know about it unless you've been sick for an, uh, uh, an extended period of time. And, and Communions come to you, and it's a great blessing. So one of the areas that uh, I remember early on when Julie and I were first deacons, and we would visit people, 
what a true blessing it was. And there was so much, um, so much fulfillment in it because uh, people, you know, they miss their church and they want that community around them. And so many times when we went with the idea that we were going to bless someone, <clears throat> that person would bless us in return. We'd try to pray, they'd pray for us. And so often, as is the case, when you serve, you're blessed. You're blessed. And Jesus blessed us. Hold this cup. Hold this cup as we pray over it. Father, this is a cup of blessing that we bless. It is representative of the blood of Jesus that was shed on our behalf for the forgiveness of sins. And we thank you for that. We honor it this morning. We ask your blessing on it. May it be life to us as we receive this cup in remembrance of what Jesus did for us in serving and giving his life. Thank you, God. We receive it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's drink together. Thank you. If you haven't given yourself away, first and foremost, to Jesus, that's step one. Before you serve in the church or serve in his kingdom, you've got to give yourself away to him. He died for you, shed his blood, gave his life, and it's the most rewarding thing you will ever do is to give up your own life, turn it over to him. And if you haven't done that today, all I can say is do it. Do it. Jesus came for you. And beyond that, if you, if you were thinking and you didn't fill out that little card, you need to take some time, contemplate that and think about it. You have a place in his church to serve and to serve him, to serve him. And it'll be a joy. Dear church, thank you for listening these past number of weeks. Thank you for your attentiveness. Thank you for all the testimonies that you've given after several of the weeks where the Lord has spoke to you and you've followed what he has encouraged you. You've responded to his prompting in your life and you've given testimony of that. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you on behalf of myself, Pastor Julie, our other pastoral staff, our pastors on staff, Reverend Barry and Reverend Rob. Thank you. Sincerely, sincerely. I close this letter that I started at the beginning of the year saying, love, love and blessings. We love you. I love you. The church wouldn't be the church without you. Thank you and bless you. And look forward now to uh, the Lenten season as we are going to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and our Savior. And if you haven't given yourself away, like I say, give yourself to Jesus. It'll be the best, best thing you've ever done. I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask your blessing on everyone in this room. And God, if there's anyone who really hasn't taken that step toward you, realized their sin is a barrier between you and them, I just pray for that heart of repentance, Lord. 
I pray for that, God. And if there's anyone in this room who's turning their heart over to you and saying, I need to turn away from that life and I do need the salvation that only Jesus offers, God, be with that person, receive their prayer, receive their sincerity, their genuineness. And God, for every single one in here, bless them, Lord, bless them, bless them. God, bless each one and keep them. Make your face to shine upon them. Be gracious unto them. Lift up your countenance upon each one and grant them peace. May the peace of our God keep every heart and every mind and every soul and every spirit through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, our altars are always open. Elders will be here. God bless you.